Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, we're delighted you're here this morning. Welcome to Passion. We believe in worshiping God with everything we've got. He's given us everything He's got. We might as well give Him everything we've got. Amen? Amen. I'm glad you're here. We've been in this uh, series about the strong man. We have been examining. We've been examining a four-chapter account of the strong man. It's an Old Testament character that, uh, I don't know, he comes off like Rambo. Anybody? Y'all know who Rambo is? Maybe, maybe Rambo mixed with MacGyver. He's kind of industrious. He does things that, I mean, you know, he can take jawbones and, and destroy armies. It's unbelievable. And we've been examining him, and we've said this. He has these great moments of strength, but he has these greater moments of weakness. Uh, I've said it exactly like this every week. I'm going to say it again. He was otherworldly strong, but he was very real-world weak. And so we begin to talk about him, and, and in week one I said to you that uh, when you talk about the strong man, you recognize that the strong man was used by God, but he wasn't changed by God. I, I wonder how many of us oftentimes allow God to use us, but we don't allow God to change us. We, we settle for outward demonstrations, but we refuse to submit to God for inward transformation. Anybody know what I'm saying this morning? Yeah, we, we see these moments in our life where God uses us supernaturally, but he doesn't, we don't allow him to change who we are. Uh, the second thing I told you out of that week was that the strong man had this problem. He had this great gift that God had given, given him. He had a mandate to impact and destroy the enemy, and instead he used up his gift on himself. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he took all of the benefit of that anointing that was resting upon his life and instead of using it for good, the greater good of the nation, he used it up on pleasure. He used it up on benefiting and, 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 and advancing his own causes, his own desires, his own needs. Last week we discussed the demands of deliverance. We said that too many of us are back at things that God has called us to walk away from. I read it to you out of Judges. The Bible says there in Judges that the children of Israel were back at evil, so God turned them over to the Philistines. And I wonder how many of us are back at relationships that he has called us away from. How many of us are back at habits, back at addictions, back at lust, back at longings that he called us to be set free from a long time ago, and now we're back at those things. And so we find ourselves back at bondage, back at slavery. I said to you that, uh, you may be overlooked. How many of you have ever been overlooked? I, you know, uh, some of us were the last folks ever picked on the dodgeball team. Some of us were the last picked on the, on the yeah, some of y'all know. But we're, we're, we're the least likely. But I told you that out of this account because Samson's mother, there's no information given about who she is. We don't even know her name, but we discover that God used her. And I said to you that God takes the least likely and makes them the likely least because he specializes in using people that cannot take the credit. That's why I asked you if you've got an impossible testimony. I'm excited that many of you do because that means you can't take the credit for what God did. You have to give the credit to God because it belongs to Him alone. And so I'm thankful this morning that He uses people like me and like you. And I said out of that that also that we, we talked about the demands of deliverance. And I said to you that it is our character that produces our clout. It is our strength. Uh, it is our separation that generates our strength. It is our purity that produces our power. That if you want to give birth to deliverance, then like always begets like. So if you want to birth deliverance, you must also live a lifestyle of deliverance. And I made a statement to you that I don't think some of us even grasp yet, and that is this. We want the power of a previous generation without the separation of a previous generation. And we don't understand why when we don't live up to the holiness that our forefathers lived up to, why we don't experience the same power that they experienced. And we struggle to recognize that if you want to birth the deliverance, you have to live up to the demands of deliverance. So today I want to continue one more week, and I want to talk to you about the details of destruction. I, I, I am just simply going to talk to you today. Simply just discuss with you how the enemy works. If you could ever figure out how the enemy works in your life, then you have a better uh, 
opportunity more of a likelihood to be able to defeat because how many of you know that the job description for the devil has never changed he he wants to kill you he wants to steal from you he wants to destroy your life and if we can ever figure out the details the way that destruction works then we have a better chance of not being destroyed yeah you got to know how the enemy works and so I want you to join me in Judges chapter 14 I'm going to read some interesting moments in the life of the strong man that I think are very revealing about us. I want you to see how this works out in his own life. Judges chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, says this, Samson went down to Timnah, and there in Timnah a woman caught his eye, a Philistine girl. He came back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman in Timnah, a Philistine girl. Get her for me as my wife. And his parents said to him, Isn't there a woman among the girls in the neighborhood of our people? Do you have to go get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the one I want. She's the right one. I could preach a whole sermon right here to our young folks about listening to mom and daddy. Uh, I'll let you preach that one at home and just say a big amen. 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 So, verse 16, here's what happens. So Samson, uh, I, I I'll tell you the whole story, but he tells a riddle and, and they... They try to get him involved. See what happens here. So here's how it works in verse 16. So Samson's bride turned on the tears, saying to him, You hate me. You don't love me. You told a riddle to my people, but you won't even tell me the answer. And he said, I haven't even told my own parents. Why would I tell you? But she turned on the tears all the seven days of the feast. And on the seventh day, worn out by her nagging, Shoot, women don't fight fair. And all the men said, amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all cheat. Y'all cry. We can't cry. Y'all cry. I'm a wise man. I'm moving on. On the seventh day, worn out by nagging, he told her. And then she went out and told it to her people. That's in chapter 14. Notice an interesting statement here in chapter 15. In chapter 15, verse 20, there's a statement that's made. We're going to come back to it. I just want to read it to you. It says, Judge, Samson judged Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Then in chapter 16, here we go, right after chapter 15, verse 20, after judging faithfully for 20 years, chapter 16, verse 1, Samson shows back up on the scene. Here it is right here. Samson went to Gaza and saw a prostitute. He went to her. And the news got around and they said, Samson's here. They gathered around in hiding, waiting all night for him at the city gate, quiet as mice, thinking at sunrise we'll kill him. Interesting, interesting. Then in verse 16, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sort Grapes. Her name was Delilah. The Philistine tyrants approached her and said, seduce him. Discover what's behind his great strength and how we can tie him up and humble me. Each man's company will give you a hundred shekels of silver. And here it is. She kept at it day after day, nagging and tormenting him. We'll come back to the nag. Finally, he was fed up. He couldn't take another minute of it. And so he spilled it. He told her, a razor has never touched my head. I've been God's Nazarite from, concep from conception. If I were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would be as helpless as any other mortal. The details of destruction. How does the enemy destroy us? The, the very first glimpse that we have, I, I read it to you in week one, where the Bible says that the Spirit of God would stir Samson. But the first glimpse that we have after that is in chapter 14. You know the story. We've talked about it at least all three weeks, I think, about in chapter 14 that these very first few verses teach us that the strong man had a particular weakness. His weakness was that he was attracted to Philistine women. There's a whole other message in there. I don't understand why we're attracted to things that destroy us. But, Selah, get the word. Understand that many of you are literally sleeping with the enemy. 
you are attracted to things that will destroy you and you won't ever recognize. He was attracted to Philistine women. His, and by the way, his first encounter with a Philistine woman was not like, like we see in the movies where two divided families, the, 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 the boy and the girl fall in love and they run on the beach and they embrace and then all of a sudden they cry and they love each other and it's so romantic that families that hated one another suddenly get along. It wasn't like that. In fact, it turned out very badly. This was not a great experience for Samson. The Bible tells us that he arrives at the wedding party. He picks this woman, says, Daddy, go get her for me. Dad works it out. They set up the wedding. The Philistines don't trust Samson, so they appoint 30 men to be the wedding party to spy on him, to keep watch over him. He, he has a macho moment. He tells them the riddle. He's killed the lion with his hands. You go read it for yourself. We've talked about it. And so he tells them a riddle and says, If you can solve the riddle, I'll give you 30 pieces of clothing. But if I... If I fool you and you can't solve the riddle I'll give you 30 pieces they go to his would-be wife and they say to her if you get if you don't get the solution to this riddle we will kill you and your entire family I don't blame her I would have been nagging him too I would have said to him hey you gotta my mom and dad are gonna die my brothers and sisters are gonna die my aunts and uncles are gonna die tell me the riddle and finally after seven days of nagging as any man would he told the, that's free. He told the answer to the riddle. So he walks in and in a fit of anger, because he recognizes that they cheated, he goes out and he kills 30 Philistines and he brings the clothes back and gives it. And he leaves and he goes and sulks. Right? Yeah. So he's sulking because men are babies. Okay, I just, I had to give the one got to be I got to be fair I've been talking about the nagging got to talk about the men being baby he goes and play oh poor me and so he's he's hiding in a cave because he's a baby he goes back to find his wife and when he gets to the door and asks for permission to come to his wife's room his father-in-law says no I didn't think you were going to show back up because we thought you hated us and so I allowed her to marry the best man instead of you and Samson is mad duh I'd be mad too. And so he goes out and he destroys their fields and he runs and he hides in a cave again and the, the, there's a village of Israelites around him. The Philistines get mad and they go kill his wife and her entire family and they come looking for, for Samson and they tell the men of the village, we're going to kill all of you too unless you give us Samson. So they go talk to Samson and he turns himself in and they bind him with new ropes and all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord stirs him he tears off the ropes, he picks up the jawbone of a donkey, and he slays a thousand Philistines. It was not a good experience. His first encounter with a Philistine woman was a painful moment. It was not a great day. There was death. In fact, if you stop and think about it, because of this encounter with this one woman, Samson experiences over a thousand deaths. A thousand men he killed, 30 men he killed. Her entire family, let's be conservative and say there might have been 10 people there. A thousand and forty people are dead because of his attraction to this one woman. That is not a good day. Yeah. And then we stumble into chapter 15. That's all of chapter 13, all of chapter 14. We stumble into chapter 15 where he exacts revenge and he does all this stuff and it's a back and forth. A, I'm, they kill me, I kill them, all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, we stumble into chapter 15 and we come to verse 20 and it's like we pass right over it and don't even think about it and don't stop long enough to read it. And it says that after all this has taken place, this initial encounter with a Philistine woman, there's a 20-year law and he faithfully serves no recorded acts of bravery, there's no excursions of excess, there's no feats of strength, there's a rest, there's a pause, there's a break in the action. And then out of chapter 15 and verse 20, we run headlong into chapter 16 and verse 1. And after 20 years of silence, 20 years of a break, 20 years of no action, all of a sudden in chapter 16 verse 1, it says, and then Samson went and visited a prostitute. And then, after some time, comes the story of Delilah. You know the story of Delilah. That's why you didn't name your daughter Delilah. We know the story. 
And once again, through a prolonged nagging and prying, the strong man's secret is revealed. Now, I think that one of the reasons that I love this account so much, and I think it's why Hollywood is enamored by it, and probably why you like this story so much, is because, if we would be honest, we see ourselves in this story. This is, if you will, in a short, compact account, is the story of our lives. Our lives are on display in the life of the strong man. And so out of this, what I want to do is I want to tell you two truths that are the details of destruction because the enemy hasn't changed his tricks. He uses the same tricks now that he used then. And if we can ever pinpoint how he works, we can be more likely to resist. And so I want to show you out of the strong man's life two very important truths that will help you not to be destroyed. The first one is this. Weird way of saying it, but let me say it like this. Dittos lead to destruction. Dittos lead to destruction. Anybody know what ditto means? It means repeat. Same thing over again. If if you say if you type in a something out on a piece of paper and you don't want to type the whole thing out again, you just say ditto. Or you, you you're speaking to someone and they say thank you very much, you can say ditto, and it just means thank you back, right? It's it's repeating. Samson's account in chapter 14, the Bible says that Samson develops an attraction for Philistine women. His first encounters marked by deception. His first encounters marked by anger. His first encounters marked by revenge. His first encounters marked by death. You would think that after the account of a thousand and something people being destroyed, running for my life, being mad as I can ever be and wanting to kill everybody, you would think after that encounter you would learn your lesson yeah I would have yeah this didn't go very well I think I'm gonna find me a woman from somewhere else I I ain't going after me that, that Philistine woman was bad news that lesson only lasted for 20 years it, it seems like that, that, that the lesson that he learned, he got it for a moment, but it apparently only lasted for 20 years. And then after the Bible says that he served faithfully for 20 years, the first thing we see in chapter 16 is he goes and finds a Philistine prostitute. In other words, his attraction is renewed and it's pursued. He fails to be self-aware enough to know his own weaknesses and to make the necessary changes or adjustments or make any precautions so that he can avoid repeated failure. Samson's life is the story of being destroyed by a ditto. He did the same thing over and over and over again. Samson teaches us that it is absolutely essential. It's a matter of life and death to examine your own life and to acknowledge the cycles that you continue to repeat. Some of you are absolutely defeated by the same things over and over again and you don't adjust. I'm preaching right now. Let me see if I can bring it into your bedrooms, your living rooms right now. Some of you remain broke because you continue to repeat the cycles of bad decisions over and over and over and over again. You're bankrupt, but you keep going to the mall. Bankrupt, but you can't stay off of Amazon. Preach. You got the latest and greatest. Your cell phone worked just fine. See, we like to talk about Samson. We just don't like to talk about us. Some of you continue to experience destructive relationships because you fail to recognize the cycle of your attractions. Some of you are one relationship after another, and you come boo-hooing, and you get in touch with God, heal me, heal me, I'm so destroyed. And then you go right out, and you're attracted to the same kind of individual, and you end up broken, hurt again, and go, why me? Because you made a stoop. Because you didn't deal with your ditto. We won't deal with the cycles of our lives, and the cycles of our lives continue to destroy us. You are destroyed by the dittos that you won't deal with. Some of you continue to struggle at work because of the dittos of your attitude. Your attitude never changes. And you go in and you say, well, they keep passing me over. I don't get any promotions. Yeah, because you're a jerk. 
because you're lazy. We don't, we don't want to deal with the fact that we, we just continue to perpetuate the same things, the same cycles over and over and over and over again. And the ditto of our life destroys us and we won't even be aware of it. Until we are willing to see that we have tendencies, we are at the mercy of our enemy. If Samson could have ever recognized, I have a tendency, I need, I need like dating counseling. I need somebody to counsel me on the women that I'm spending my time with. If, some, if he could have ever recognized that he had a cycle in his life, it would, he would have come out of there different. It, we wouldn't have been so at, at the mercy. We don't understand or recognize the tactics of the enemy. And he uses the same, I, not too long ago, I, I challenged you to force your enemy to switch bait. Some of you, your, your enemy never has to switch bait. He's using the same bait. So you, you, you sit down in front of the computer, and you fail to recognize your own weakness, and you won't adjust. We talked to you about it, putting a filter on your computer. Absolutely not, I'm a man. Yeah, you're a, you're a man in bondage, but you're a man. Just a ditto, ladies. My heart's broken. Yeah, it's broken. You went and found the scum that you always. Yeah, I didn't say it was going to be nice today. I didn't put in the bulletin this was going to be an easy one. Samson enjoyed a 20-year break and then all of a sudden out of nowhere ditto see we think I think that what we think is that he had this experience with his would-be wife and, and all that goes wrong and then immediately he fell in love with Delilah but the truth is, is that there had been some time that passed and then the very weakness that he refused to deal with rises up again in his life and now as an older man he falls to the same trick let me say it like this. How many of us fail to deal with an issue that we encountered as a teenager? And then when we're 30 or 40, we pass it off as a midlife crisis, but when we're 40 or 50, the seed that was planted and forgotten about suddenly sprouts and we fall to the same exact temptation that we failed to deal with when we were a teenager. I'm trying to help you. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to help you recognize that if you can ever recognize the cycles of your life and stop them, then a ditto won't destroy you and you won't find, you've got to uproot. You've got to recognize the tendencies you have that may, may very well, your parents may have had them too. You need to recognize them and take them by the roots and uproot them and get them out of your life because if you don't, you, you'll plant, they will be so planted deeply in you that 30 years later when stress comes when a bad day at work comes when you're by yourself in the hotel room when you're 20 year break he visits a prostitute in fact in the account that I read to you out of Judges 16.1 it says it like this one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute just one day he comes to a one day moment David's encounter with Bathsheba starts the same way one day when kings were supposed to be at war one day each and every one of us will have a one day moment where we must choose right our choice on that one day will be determined by whether or not we've dealt with our weakness the first time. One day you will have the opportunity to look at the pornography. One day you will have the opportunity to cheat. One day you will have the opportunity to steal. One day you are going to have the opportunity to lie. One day you are going to have the opportunity to cheat on your taxes. One day you're going to have the opportunity to take the drink and do the drugs. One day you're going to... We all, our life is boiled down to what happens when our one day rolls around. 
Because, see, here's the truth. One day can quickly turn into your worst day if you don't deal with your ditto today. Your every days will be determined by your one day choices. See, one day he's saving Israel faithfully, and then one day he's going to find a prostitute. That's crazy. Who, who, who would risk so much for so little? But the truth is, nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, well, I guess this is going to be the day I've been waiting to figure out what I want to do with life. I think I'm going to be a pervert. <laughs> nobody wakes up one morning and goes, you know what? I didn't really know what I wanted in life, but I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to be bankrupt. That's my goal. I'm a, you know, this got to make up my mind today. What am I going to I'm going to be I'm going to be an addict. I am going to commit adultery and ruin the lives of my children. Listen to me this morning. You had better make the right choice and take the steps necessary to kill that weakness in your life before your day arrives because your day's coming and what I would say to you this morning is that the hope in this is this your day can arrive and you can look away and your hope can your your the hope is your day can arrive and you can make the right choice and your day can show up and you decide not to drink and you your day can show up and you decide not to do what everybody else has done in your family your day can show up and you can tell the truth and your day can r- arrive and you make the right sh- choice and be pure and your day can arrive if you make the decision to get rid of the dittos in your life your day can show up but you have you to have the power necessary to choose right on the one day you had better figure out the cycles of your life today why why is that important? Catch this and then I'll move on. I'll get out of your way. I got one more point after this. Hang with me. But you got to hear this right here. Why do we have to deal with our one day moments before we get to our one day? I'm going to help you right here. Here's why. Because if you don't, your logic will be overpowered by your lust. Unless you deal with your weaknesses early and often, your logic will be overtaken by your lust. You say, well, lust is only about sexual things. No, it's not. Your lust for money, your lust for acceptance, your lust for popularity, your lust for whatever. You don't think that's true? Oh, yeah, it it makes perfect sense to me because I visit hospitals. And I'm not trying to be mean, but every hospital I ever walk up to seems like there's always somebody sitting out front that's like in a wheelchair, can't walk, got an IV strapped to them, got oxygen up their nose, and they can't breathe. You can hear them. They're, and they're sitting out there. And I, I'm sorry for a carnal moment, but I, there are days that I just want to go up and slap somebody and say, get some stinking sense. You're in here because you're dying, because your lungs are shutting down. They got you hooked up to oxygen, baby. It's not water. It's not like lemonade. It's like oxygen because you can't breathe. But your lust has overpowered your logic. Sorry. But we do the same thing. That's why, I, listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not railing on them. It's just that they're televised. I, that's why preachers that are world-renowned can get caught having an affair, and they publicize it on TV, and we all want to sit around and poke fun and point fingers, and then about six months or six years later, out of nowhere, they refuse to deal with the ditto of their life, and so now they're on TV again being caught in the same thing, and we want to go, nah, 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 nah. I knew it. I knew they were a fake. I knew it, but they're... We, we point fingers at them because they're televised, but nobody's pointing fingers at us just because we don't know. And we fall to the same old cotton-picking tricks, repeating cycles that we refuse to deal with. 
Some of you are right now caught in cycles that were perpetuated by your parents and you weren't smart enough to figure out. You didn't take a moment to go, well, if daddy and mama did that, then I can't do that. And you'll walk down this. I got a great testimony in my mom and my dad because my mom and my dad, their dads walked out on them and they could have very easily justified it and said, well, that's what they did. I guess that's what we'll do. No, my mom and dad said, no, sir. This, I did, I'm not going to repeat no cycle here. This ditto dies today. Hey, forget that junk. I'm going to remain faithful. I'm going to remain. You got to break the cycle today because if you don't, your lust will overwhelm your logic. That's why Paul, you need to have a Paul moment, a, a 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 moment when he says, take careful stock of where you stand. He says it like this. He says, don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. In other words, what he's basically saying is that every moment of our life, every morning of our life, we ought to wake up and say, God, uh, Mondays I have a tendency to have a bad attitude. I go to work and I gripe everybody out and then I don't get promoted. On Monday, God, I'm taking stock of where I stand and I don't want to be naive. I could fall flat on my face. Could you please help me on Monday? Could you help me today to break this ditto in my life? On Tuesday, God, I wake up and I recognize because I had a bad day at work on Monday, now I take it out on my family. So, God, could you please help me to break? If our cycles are broken, they won't be repeated. What are your dittos? What is it that you continue to repeat? Now, the second thing I learned, and, and, and I'll move quick, uh, I, but I, it, when I make this statement, it is not going to sound profound, but I want to tell you this morning that I've been wrestling with this all week as, I, as I've thought about this. This may be one of the most profound truths that we ignore that I've ever stumbled across. Here it is. Are you ready? Delayed destruction is still destruction. Let that sink in. Delayed destruction is still... Samson's destruction took over 20 years to become a reality. His consistent choices ruined his life one step at a time. We would say that Delilah destroyed Samson. Am I right? When you, talk, when you tell the story of Samson, you jump, you fast forward to Delilah. Delilah's the cause. Delilah, yeah, she's the one. It's her fault. She destroyed Samson. Delilah brought this. No, she, did, yeah, she brought it to completion. But the truth is, is that Samson's destruction started in chapter 14 on the first day that he was attracted to a Philistine woman. See, we convince ourselves that if destruction is delayed, it is no longer destruction. We, our life is not canonized in four compact chapters. And so what we do is we will do things now that have long-term implications and never stop to think about what will happen one day because it doesn't seem too bad today. I'm preaching, and we can't even fathom this because in America, we, we are in, an, in a society that demands and only, only values quick and immediate results. So we no longer think about long-term results of what the choices we're making today. But the strong man would say this. Delayed destruction is still destruction. It may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. But one day, destruction is sure. I've made this statement to you before. I See, I think the truth is, is that the enemy tries to hide from us that disobedience still carries the same high price. The wages of sin have never changed. They will never change. And so I've said it like this to you over and over again. I'm going to continue to say it until we get it, until we start understanding. And that is this. Sin will always take you further than you wanted to go. And sin will always cost you more than you wanted to pay. Always. And not only that, sin will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. The strong man reveals that even though we may think we've avoided destruction, it is inevitable. 
the story always ends the same if we don't change the storyline. What you fail to destroy will destroy you. I'm going to say that again. Some of you need to catch this. What you fail to destroy will destroy you. We play thing, We play with things that destroy us. Samson only plagued the Philistines when Samson's mandate was to destroy the Philistines. Remember, it was a Philistine giant that challenged the armies of Saul. It was the Philistines that con- constantly fight the people of Israel from that day forward. What you fail to kill will kill you because partial obedience is complete disobedience. So what weakness are you still entertaining? What are you flirting with? What tendency have you grown so comfortable with that you now minimize the destructive effect in your own mind? Oh, it's not costing me that much. I know it it hurts a little, but it really isn't killing me. Listen, Delilah's, when you bring Delilah into the account, Delilah's path of discovery and disclosure reveals this truth to us. Y'all remember the story? I mean, Samson must have been dumb. Uh, I, I mean, think about it. He goes to Delilah. She starts nagging him. In fact, it says he was annoyed by the nagging. And she begins to ask him, what's your secret? And he says to her, well, if you get new bowstrings made out of animal tendons, seven of them, and tie me t- up with the new bowstrings, then I become as weak as any man. And lo and behold, when he wakes up from his nap, he's tied not in shoestrings, but in bowstrings. And he breaks them free. Now, I'm slow, but I'm worth waiting on. And I was born in the morning, but not this morning. And if I told you that bowstrings make me weak, and you tie me up in bowstrings. And I ain't telling you nothing else. Burn me once, shame on me. Or shame on you, burn me twice. Okay, yeah. Next morning, he's, oh, please, Samson, you got to tell me. And, and he says, new ropes. That'll get it. New ropes. And lo and behold, the next morning he wakes up, and guess what? He's not tied with old ropes. New, they still got the sticker price on them. New ropes. I'm telling you right now, I think I would have walked out, or maybe we wouldn't, because we don't think delayed destruction is destruction. So the next day, he, she says, what's the secret? He says, take my hair, and getting closer to the truth, isn't he? Take my hair and weave it into the loom, and he wakes up. And his hair is in the weaver's loom. Hello, McFly. Anybody home, McFly? Hello. How stupid. She literally nags him to death. Some of you are still playing around with things because you don't see the destruction now, but my question to you is very clear this morning. What about a decade from now? What decisions are you making today that may not seem to be painful today, but 10 years from now you'll look back and go, I destroyed my life that day. What about for your kids? Some of you are making decisions right now that are destroying your children You may never feel the pain of it, but 10 years from now, your children, what about your children's children? I'm preaching right now. There are things in your life that are nagging you, and they will ultimately destroy you, but I want to show you what happens, and then I'm going to close, I promise. Samson was annoyed by the nagging. But he never made any adjustments. Some of you are annoyed by the tendencies of your life. And some of you are annoyed by the pain that you're going through right now. Some of you are annoyed by the results of your decision. But you 
still got your head in the lap of your enemy. And what I am encouraging you to do today is not just become annoyed. I am encouraging you to get stinking ticked off. Where you will say, devil, I am sick. I am beyond fed up. I am so sick and tired of you destroying my life that no more. And you will come to the place where you will talk to the devil and tell him where to step off. I draw a line. I'm not going to make the same decisions that my parents made. I refuse. You just step off right there. I am I I do not have to I do not have to deal. I will make the right I no I'm Don't make me mad. You've annoyed me. But when you make me mad, I'm like Bruce all of a sudden, I start turning stinking green and the buttons on my shirt pop off and I will beat your tail, devil. I will not. Y'all ain't, ain't got it yet. Some of you are annoyed you're just not mad. You're annoyed that you're broke and you're annoyed that you're sick and you're annoyed that you're in pain and you're annoyed that, that your relationship's going wrong and that it's causing distress. You're annoyed that the decisions you've been making aren't getting you the raises, aren't getting you the promotion. I'm asking you to go beyond getting annoyed. Somebody in the house, please get angry. To where you're willing to do something different. Because if you do the same way, the same thing, expecting different results, baby, you're insane. You're crazy. Just, just telling, I'm just talking. Just trying to help you understand that he uses the same tactics now. That he's always used. And because of it, you're destroyed. What are the dittos of your life? What cycles need to be broken in your life? What choices need to be changed? What is it that you continue to fall to? Do you need to put a filter on your computer? Do you need to cut up your credit cards? Do you need some counseling that somebody can walk in and say, that's a bad decision. I, you can't date them without... Somebody has got to recognize become self-aware enough not to keep living the same cycles and what is slowly but certainly destroying your life what friendships what relationships what attitudes what habits what addictions what locations what what is it that you become comfortable with that is annoying you but you won't change let me tell you my story and then I'll quit didn't share this in first service None of their business. I went to the dentist two weeks ago, and uh, I've got a, a tooth that need, needed to be taken out, and they do a consult, an expensive consult. They took my blood pressure, just consult, and they said, Mr. Ely, your blood pressure is high. And I went, what? <laughs> I ain't never had a bl high blood pressure in my life. Never, ever, ever. Because I'm a stud athlete. Y'all just don't know it. I'm hiding out. <laughs> I'm a legend in my own mind. Right, let me live there. I like it. So I, I blew it off. I said, you know what? It's probably just nerves. I mean, who wants to go to the dentist? Nobody. And so I go back last week, and they pull the thing, and as I'm going out under the anesthesia, I lean over, and I say, hey, was my blood pressure high? She said, oh, yeah, higher than it was last time. And I'm annoyed. I ain't giving up my fried chicken. And I ain't eating vegetables. I eat what eats vegetables. Eh? So the easy way around this, the easy way around this is just to pray and ask God to change the results of my stupidity. Like, I'm going to pray harder over my Kentucky Fried Chicken. 
which I ate three pieces of yesterday. Thank you very much. <laughs> or I can get angry. And so, I ain't eating green beans. Get thee behind me, Satan. Um, so, I can either be annoyed and still die. Might not be tomorrow. But since my dad has had heart problems and my grandmother, and I can just be annoyed or I can get angry and do something. So I'm just going to tell y'all so y'all can ask me how I'm doing. I went and bought two brand new bicycle wheels for my bike. And I'm going to ride that thing. It's been hanging in my garage like for seven years now and ain't never come down. <laughs> but I refuse to let a deep ditto Okay, so what's your ditto? What's destroying you right now that you're comfortable with? I didn't say it'd be easy to get rid of because getting off the couch, putting my hind end on that bike ain't going to be easy. But it's necessary. Some of you have got some hard decisions to make this morning because if you don't make the right decision now, your one day is going to show up and you're going to find yourself completely and utterly destroyed and you will look at yourself in the mirror and go, I was the strong man. What does that mean for you? That means some of you need to put the filter on the internet. That means some of you need to break up with somebody. That means some of you need to change jobs. That means some of you need to get some accountability in your life. Some of you need to stay out of the mall. Some of you need to forget about Bojangles. No, that was not that was not from God. That was just that was purely carnal. Disregard that statement right there. Because I'm going to South Carolina in about a week, and I'm stopping at Bojangles. I, if I have to ride 20 miles I, on my bicycle, I mean, okay, all right. But I'm concerned for some of you. I'm concerned for me. That because the pain isn't that bad right now, Father, this morning, in this very quiet moment, I wished I could, I wished I had the ability, almost like a one-on-one, -on -one, just me and one other person in the room, with each individual under the sound of my voice, I wish we could sit down and talk. And I could help them pinpoint the, the ditto in their life, and I could Help them pinpoint the area of destruction that is on its way. But I can't do that. But God, you can. With no fanfare and with no hype, I just pray that somehow, some way this morning, you would speak deeply to each one of us and you would help us to identify the cycles in our lives. God, I stand here as a living testimony that cycles can be broken, that dittos can be stopped. And I pray over the life of each person here today that you would allow us to be self-aware enough and to recognize enough that Rather than repeating cycles that would destroy, we would break those cycles today so that when the one day shows up, we can make the right choices. We'll be strong. And God, I just ask for my people today that a spirit of anger would come over them. That's a weird prayer to pray, but I pray a spirit of anger towards the enemy and the destruction that he's setting up in their life. God, some of us have become very comfortable with destruction because it hasn't cost us, or at least we don't think it's cost us much now. But Father, I, I speak over my folks right now and I pray that they would recognize as I'm recognizing that delayed destruction is still destruction. That the wages of sin never change. And we think we've become comfortable with this thing and think we've escaped. We must be the one loophole in the system. But God, I pray that you would speak to us clearly today. We're not. We sow. We reap. We plant. We reap.
And so, Father, I pray today that we would become very angry, not just annoyed. I pray that the guy that's in this room that has been struggling with pornography would not just be annoyed any longer. He would be so angry that he'd make his mom or his spouse his accountability partner and put a filter on his system so that it's cut off once and for all. God, I pray for the ladies in the house that are struggling with their own self-identity and they've allowed what everybody else said to shape them and form them. God, I pray that they would cut that off right now because it will ultimately destroy them. God, I pray for young men and women that you've entrusted to us. And I pray that as adults we would set better examples, but I pray that even now they would begin to be aware of the cycles that maybe their moms, their dads, their grandmothers, their grandfathers have put in place. But God, I pray that you'd speak encouragement to them and let them know that when their day arrives, they can make the right choice. They can make the right choice. They can make the right choice. And I pray that you would destroy everything in us that is trying to destroy us so that you can birth deliverance. God, I... I wished I could ask you to make it easy. That's the wrong request. And it's not realistic. I pray that we would make the hard decisions. Not what we're comfortable with, but what we're called to do. I ask these things. In Jesus' name, this is how we're going to end. Just sitting there right where you are. Would you just reach over and put your hand on the person next to you? You don't know what they're facing. I asked this morning in the first service how many had a cycle in their life that was being repeated and almost everybody in the room, I would venture to guess that everybody in here would pretty much respond the same way. I asked how many of you are struggling to destroy what's destroying you and hands went up all over the place. I'm not going to ask you to do that because I think I know what's happening in the spirit where I'm right now. I sense it. God is doing surgery on some of you and you just need a moment of somebody believing for you. Father, this morning we pray for our brothers and our sisters. This is a hard message. God, we don't want to see any one of our brothers and sisters struggle. We don't want to see any one of our brothers and sisters destroyed. And your word tells us that when we see one of our brothers and sisters being destroyed, we're supposed to step in and help. And so we do that this morning. God, we, we as we lay our hands on one another, I pray that you'd give clarity I pray that you would allow a special touch. I'm reminded of the, the, the man you touched twice to heal his eyes. Because we recognize whether we've really been touched by God, it's determined by how we see people. And so, Father, I pray that you would allow us to recognize who's helping and who's hurting and be able to discern who's who. Give us clarity. I pray that not only about people, I pray that about every aspect of our life. God, if there's a habit, if there's a location, if there are people, if there are things that we think are helping, but they're actually destroying us, and we don't even know it. The destruction seems delayed. It could be years from now. We'll look back years from now. God, if that's going on in our life right now, I pray for my brothers and my sisters that, God, you would stop that thing right now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Turn to your neighbor right now. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.